This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Friday night. It's the preview show. It's the No Name Never Podcast! Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the No Name Never Podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley but joining me is the main man himself, the headliner of the preview show and that is of course Dave Statman Roberts. Dave, welcome, welcome. How are you sir? I'm very well, Natalie. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm kind of getting a little bit beleaguered about this whole season, but uh, trying to keep my chin up and trying to, 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 I don't know, imagine when the points are going to start coming and the goals are going to start coming. Um, But it was quite an interesting game, actually. Um, Last weekend, uh, Dave, we didn't get beat 5-0. Do we take that as a win? Uh, it was an improvement from that point of view, and I think there were there were certainly some uh, green shoots, some good signs, but the result was the the same. It was still a defeat, no points, but we had some positives to take out of it, yeah. and we need to uh, make sure we can continue that again uh, this Saturday, I think. Yeah, it's been a funny old season so far, hasn't it? Because we really haven't played, apart from a couple of spells, we really haven't played that bad in, in certain no, games. I can't really put my feet... I'm concerned... I won't lie, but I can't really put my finger on what's going on this year. It's it's very, very, very odd, but uh, we'll see. Long, still a long way to go, so fingers crossed. Um, we are, of course, here for the preview show. We're going to be looking at the Clarets' next fixture, which is in a way tie at Southampton and one that we absolutely have to get some points from if we're going to start kicking on the season. I think if we get beat at the weekend, I'm going to be very, very, very concerned. Um, we asked, before we got kicking into this week, we asked Rich Steele, one of our regular panellists on the analysis show, just to give us his thoughts about how he felt it went um, away at the Etihad at the weekend and what his thoughts are at this moment in time. I think everybody's feeling a little bit down in the dump, so we wanted to try and put into words how the team is feeling. Hi all, uh, Richard Steele from the No Name Ever podcast, just giving a few thoughts on the Man City game. thought it was, obviously, it's an improvement for us. We normally go there and lose 5-0, and after that early goal from Bernardo Silva, where they seemed to cut us apart quite easily, again, it looked like it was going to be the same kind of scoreline. Um, it was one of them, wasn't it, where City had a lot of the ball, that like we knew they would do, you know, they was around the box, but you didn't. I didn't feel as threatened, I didn't feel like they had... As much as a cutting edge um, as they normally do, Mares, who normally scores for fun, 
against us really didn't have his shooting boots on and I can think you can tell this season they are definitely lacking that number nine um you know, and I, and I film and I thought we, you know, we give it a good goal, but it's been the tale of our season, hasn't it? You know, there's other than Norwich, really. Um, you know, there's been some pretty good performances in there, but we just, you know, maybe not got the rubber green or not managed to, you know, to convert. You know, I thought first half, um, you know, we, we responded really well. I thought Dwight McNeil and Corney, you know, looked a class above the rest of our players. If I'm being honest, obviously that was a fantastic, you know, little run and ball for McNeil to play Corney through, and I only expected one outcome. And that was a ball in the back of the net. So, you know, but it was a good save from, from Stefan, who I thought played really well. I thought we was more aggressive on Saturday. You know, we didn't just completely sit back. You know, we did try and press, which can be risky against Man City. But I think when you had the five in midfield, obviously Carne did start up front, but then he switched to the left. Um, I thought we had a little bit more solidity. That's a formation I would like us to play a little bit more too. Um, but, you know, we got high up the pitch, we pressed. You know, that's how we we created the opportunity with, with, with Brown. Or we won the ball up. I think Cart won it well, high up the pitch, and it fell to him. And similar to the one at Everton, where you think, you know, just, you know, just burst it, you know, just burst the back of the net. He just seemed to miss it a little bit, and it went wide of the post. But for the last 10 minutes of the second half, we really give it a good going with a better team. Um, you know, we maybe could have had a penalty on another day. You know, Laporte did a bad challenge, and if the referee played advantage, then we was then we was through on goal. Um, and then as the second half went on, we seemed to, you know, get more less and less of an attacking threat. Carne went off, Barnes come on, and you know, and he just didn't quite happy for us. But at the end of the day, you know, with you know nearly 15 minutes, just just over 15 minutes left, we were still well in the game. So that was a real frustration, of course. You know, we give the ball away cheaply. Westwood was messing about a little bit in the area. Uh, you know, we give the ball away, and De, and De Bruyne doesn't miss those, and then at two 0 you know, you're just quite happy to, you know, to keep it that, you know, just to keep it that scoreline. So it's one of them, you, you can look at it and you go, you know, we've got Man City away out the way. We've played Liverpool away. It's obviously on fire, but it obviously really crunch time these next two games now. And we're obviously going to be talking about it, uh, the you know, the Southampton game in the preview show. We've got Southampton and Brentford next. For me, we need a minimum of four points in those next, you know, next two games. You know, I, you know Brent, Brentford are looking a really good side. I've watched Southampton a little bit. They're not great, so hopefully we, you know, we can get something down there. Um, just want to give a special mention though to Nathan Collins. Um, I thought he was our man of the match. I thought he was our man of the match against Norwich. He's been absolutely outstanding. I think you know he's he's got everything. He's he he reads the game well. He's got pace. He's very good on the ball. Let's enjoy him, Burnley fans, while while we can, because I think he's going to go to the very very top of the game. And obviously, Ben Mee's been out outstanding for us. He, he's you know he he's my all all time favourite Claret for what he's done for the club. But does he does he get back into the team? I know he's maybe fifty fifty for this weekend. Um, my you know my what I would go with I go four four two on Saturday. I go Carne and Gunmanson. Oh sorry, Carne and McNeil out wide. If 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 Vidra's fit, I put him up front with Wood. If Vidra's not fit, then I'd go back to the four five one and put McNeil number ten and Gunmanson out wide. For me, central midfield at the moment, I genuinely don't know who to pick. I would pick Brown, I think he's the future. I think Westwood Westwood and Struck and Cork are struggling a little bit. You know, then you know, so I think it's a toss up between those two, but I think Dice will go for Westwood and, and Brown. Um uh, 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting, obviously, you know, if 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 Taylor and me are fit. I think Taylor will come back in, even though he's not had a great season. But And I think me will actually come back in too, but real positives with Collins. So, like a lot of games this season, you know, there's positive signs. Uh, you know, we just it's getting to that stage of the season where it's not desperation, you know, just yet. But we really need to, in my opinion, with Chelsea away following Brentford and Southampton, we need to get four points from the next two. Cheers, everyone. Let's hope we get um, a win on Saturday. Good luck to all those who are travelling, including Tom. Uh, I was going to do it, but just a little bit too dear for me this time. So, yeah, enjoy it, Tom, and see you all soon. Yeah, it's, oh, it's just it's a funny one, isn't it, Dave? It's um, y- You try and keep your hopes up for this season, but it does feel like something... It feels like we're a little bit further away, I think, to me than where we have been in previous years. I'm, I'm a bit worried about where the goals are going to come from. I think Rich is right. I think, well, I, I guess on that goal thing, what did you make of, of Dash's comments this week about the shooting coach? That was a, an interesting one. It seems to suggest that that's where all of our problems are. Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously he was asked the question and, and kind of prompted on that and uh, and mentioned about it. I think his, his kind of consensus view at the end of it was that if uh, um, striking coaches were such a good thing, we'd see loads of them everywhere Absolutely. and you don't tend to, yeah. to see them. Yeah, um, and right. it is kind of a, a confidence thing, I think, sometimes with uh, with strikers. Um, and, you know, it's not, nothing a couple of wins and a couple of goals wouldn't... Uh, wouldn't put to bed for for a while if we managed to uh, to do that. You know, if we managed to get a win uh, and the South Coast, then another home win next weekend, it'd look totally different. But you need to get those results. We need to see some uh, results coming through. And in in some ways, you prefer to have a a, a mediocre performance and 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 rag a one nil win yeah. rather than uh, playing really well and drawing or losing. Yeah, that Norwich game for me is literally alarming in my brain we were we couldn't be a Norwich side that had lost all six of their opening games lost them not even not one lost them all um and we just looked a little bit toothless for me so I just I keep looking at this and saying right well we're going to Southampton you think well how are we going to beat Southampton away when we couldn't beat Norwich at home I'm just oh, oh listeners you're gonna have to help me out here you're gonna have to help put Bromley's Chipper up. Let's get let's get a little bit excited again. And somebody can put me back on track this season. Um, and you can start by that actually, Dave. Because why don't you dive into last week's quiz question, please? We've got a quiz question to um, give an answer to. Um, and I think that was obviously in the previous show. Looking back at the Manchester City game, we asked our listeners, and it was following, of course, the special international podcast that we put out um, with former. Burnley chairman Barry Kilby. The question was, which ground was former BC BFC chairman Barry Kilby ejected from as a youngster along with his father. Now, this was a sneaky one, Dave, because this is not something you can Google, is it? Uh, you couldn't Google it, but you could listen to our podcast and uh, listen carefully and, and find out, and a few people did. Um, well, the correct answer was actually Aston Villa's ground, uh, Villa Park. And for those of you who haven't already listened to that interview we had with uh, Barry Kilby, uh, where he told that story, uh, we won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't been able to catch up and listen to the episode yet. But we did have um, some correct answers. Well done to those who knew it was Villa Park and got in touch, uh, including uh, Mark Gibbons and Steph and also Mark Howarth. Good stuff. Well, as 
young Dave has just already said, if you haven't tuned in yet for our interview with Barry Kilby, it is still available on all of the usual podcast platforms, as well as being uploaded as a vodcast on our YouTube channel. You'd be pleased to know that we have another quiz question for you at the end of this episode. So stay tuned, listeners. We will be testing your brains again. Premier League, head to head. So Dave, into the actual reason why we're here and that is of course previewing Burnley's next Premier League fixture. It is an away tie at Southampton, Saturday the 23rd of October, a 3pm kickoff, and once again, surprise, 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 we are not having that televised anywhere alive in the UK. Um, we're going to start with our history section, as we always do, so why don't you start us off with um, a summary of the Premier League meetings. Yeah, well, this season we're providing you with the head-to-head record between the clubs in Premier League games, either at home or away, depending on uh, where we're playing at that particular week. Uh, Burnley have played at Southampton in all but one of our previous seven Premier League seasons since 2009, as the Saints were relegated from the Championship in the same season we were promoted. Uh, And they were playing in the third tier, that's League One, in 2009-10, while we were adjusting to our first top-flight season since the mid-1970s. In the six previous Premier League meetings at St Mary's between the two teams, Burnley have won two, uh, we've drawn one and lost three, which is a whole lot better than our away record at uh, certain other Premier League grounds we could mention. Mm. Um, uh, You know which ones those are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As well as two wins, uh, one of which we'll be coming back to shortly, we also drew nil-nil. That was on the opening day of the 2018-19 league season. Uh, but that wasn't our first match of that particular season, as we'd already played three Europa League qualifying matches by then, home and away against Aberdeen, and also the away match in Istanbul. Uh, with a couple of Premier League away wins at St Mary's under our belt already, we'll be hoping to add to that tally and make it a hat-trick this Saturday. We certainly will. That would be um, that would be a good thing. Memory match. What about memory match then? What have you chosen to highlight for this particular feature? Uh, well, we've mentioned that Burnley have already had a couple of victories at St Mary's in the Premier League era, so we're going to focus on one of those wins for our memory match for this episode. Uh, that means we have two matches to choose from. Effectively, uh, Sam Vokes scored the hey. only goal. That was it. That, that's not the one we're choosing. Oh. Uh, Sam Vokes scored the only goal in a 1-0 win in November 2017. Uh, but we're going to look in more detail at a relatively recent match from February 2020, uh, which, considering what has happened since, actually feels a lot longer ago than it actually was. Okay. Uh, Burn- Burnley were playing in their all-green third kit from the 2019-20 season, uh, and we took an early lead in the Saturday lunchtime kickoff which took place under the threat of wet and windy weather conditions sto- uh, caused by Storm Dennis. Uh, little did we realise back then, but this match at St Mary's was played just one month before English football was suspended due to the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, in just the second minute, Ashley Westwood's in-swinging corner, uh, helped a little bit by Storm Dennis perhaps, uh, was left by Danny Ings and also by goalkeeper Alex McCarthy and went straight in. Goals scored direct from corners are relatively rare events. I think Burnley have only ever scored nine, um, although this was actually Ashley Westwood's second, as he'd already managed the feat at Liverpool. That was back in March 2019. Uh, Ex-Claret striker Danny Ings, he levelled the scores after 18 minutes with a turn and shot past Nick Pope, 
However, Burnley regained the lead with a well-taken goal uh, from Matty Vidra, and that proved to be the winner. And we're going to return to that goal again later in this episode as it features as part of our Stat of the Week section. Ooh, your little tease. That's going to be an exciting feature. Well, let's get to that point very, very quickly then. Let's go through the next section, which is um, on this day. What's happened in previous seasons on this day? Yeah, well, we're looking back at matches played in the past on 23rd of October, uh, and Burnley have won exactly half of the previous matches. Uh, We've played 20 of them and won 10 of the matches played in the past on 23rd of October. Uh, We're going way back, actually, for the first one of those. That's way back in 1886. That's even before the Football League started. Uh, We've played out a 3-3 draw. That was at Astley Bridge near Bolton. And that was our second FA Cup campaign. Uh, Although the teams uh, drew then, they had a replay, they drew again, uh, 2-2 a week later. Uh, But both teams actually scratched. They they neither progressed the the next round. And uh, looking at the newspaper reports at the time, no one's actually 100% sure why. But there you go. Um, After a 2-1 defeat at Grimsby in 1897, we won 2-0 at home to Fulham in 1909 and 2-1 away to Spurs in 1920. Uh, Those were our last two wins on October 23rd for over 45 years. We had three draws and a defeat in the intervening period. Before, we returned to winning ways with a 2-0 home win over Sheffield United in 1965. We also won 2-1 at Hull City in October 1971 for our fourth win on this date. Um, Our other six wins have come in the last 10 matches played on this date. Five of those were at home against Brentford in 1984, Maidstone in 1990, Bristol City in 1999, Crystal Palace in 2001, and then Norwich City in 2007. Uh, We lost 4-0 at home to Reading in 2010, but in 2012, an eventful match against Bristol City at Ashton Gate ended with a 4-3 win for Burnley after Chris McCann scored a late winner. So our overall record for 23rd of October is played 20, won 10, drawn 5 and lost 5. Ah, that is a good section. Club Connection! Well, we need to move now on to our Club Connection section and... This is where we take a look at all the players who spent time at both clubs and focus on one player in particular. Now, after a couple of weeks of Roberts Goes Rogue, um, we've been doing things slightly differently in those weeks. We've gone back to a more democratic method of choosing our player this week. We ran a poll to let you choose. Uh, We did, yeah. We excluded the three current Burnley players. So uh, there's Jay Rodriguez, Jack Cork and Dale Stevens. Remember him? Mm. Um, So we handpicked four names from the other 16 available. And we ran a poll on our social media to see which of these four players could tally up the most votes. And the four players there were to choose from were uh, Brian O'Neill, Steve Davis, Richard Chaplow and Wayne Thomas. And the vote was close, but just pipping Steve Davis into second place with 38% of the votes was Richard Chaplow. And you remember him, don't you, Natalie? I do indeed. I do indeed, young young Richard. I think he was just it was just one of those quite dynamic midfielders that was mm. everybody knew and he, he had like a really promising start with the Clarets. And it, it was quite rare back in the day that 
Burnley had like players who you thought you could sort of sell to go on to a big club and make a little bit of money from, um, uh, certainly from a homegrown talent perspective. But yeah, Richard Chappell always struck me as one of those, for sure. Good player, really good player and um, thoroughly decent chap as well. Well, let's tell you a little bit more about him, uh, see if you can remember much of this. Um, He was born in Accrington in 1985 and joined Burnley at the age of just eight and went on to earn a scholarship with the club in 2001 after turning down interest from Manchester City and Blackburn Rovers. Uh, Under the watchful eye of Terry Pashley, he made it into the reserves before eventually getting his chance in the first team in April 2003 at the age of 18. A combative midfielder, he became a regular in Stan Turnant's side and then for Steve Cottrell. And as well as impressing for Burnley, he also played for England at under-19, under-20 and under-21 levels. Uh, In all, he made 74 appearances for Burnley, scoring seven goals before a move to West Bromwich Albion in January 2005 for a fee of £1.5 million. That was a lot of money for Burnley in those days. Um, He had a loan spell with Southampton in 2006 during his time at the Hawthorns, but in 2008 he joined Lancashire rivals Preston North End. That spell also included another loan move to Southampton in late 2010. Uh, That loan spell was extended, and at the end of 2010 he signed a permanent deal with the Saints. Uh, In total, he made 80 appearances for Southampton, scoring 10 goals. He later went on to play for Millwall and Doncaster Rovers in England before a move to the States where he played for three seasons for Orange County in California in the USL. After hanging up his boots in 2018, he stayed with the club and after a spell as assistant coach, he's been the interim head coach or caretaker manager as we would describe it ever since the departure of Braden Cloutier in August. As Burnley fans, we always like to see talented local players make an impact. And Richard Chaplow certainly did that during his time with Burnley and throughout his career. Yeah, he certainly did. It's always nice to see them go on and have success. Isn't it funny how we always keep an eye on past players and things like that? I don't think a lot of clubs do do that. Um, Well, that is the end of part one where we focused on the history of this fixture. But we're going to bring us right up to the present for part two, starting with our scouting report. Scouting report! Yeah, 54-year-old Austrian, Ralph Hassenhutl, uh, he succeeded Mark Hughes as Southampton manager in December 2018. Uh, the club has remained faithful to their appointment, backing him during some lean spells and did not flinch when the club suffered a 9-0 home defeat to Leicester City in October 2019 and more recently a 9-0 away defeat at Manchester United in February of this year. Uh, their summer signings included striker Adam Armstrong, who left Ewood Park for the South Coast in a deal worth around £16 million. And they've also tried to shore up their back line with the arrival of three defenders. Uh, Frenchman Romain Perrault, uh, Brazilian Lianco and Croydon-born Tino Livramento, who arrived from Chelsea. Uh, Theo Walcott also returned to Southampton as a free transfer from Everton. And striker Armando Broja came on a season-long loan from Chelsea. Uh, Ex-Claret striker Danny Ings also left Southampton over the summer to join Aston Villa. Uh, This season, they've tended to line up with a 4-4-2 formation, or 4-2-2-2, as it's sometimes been described. Uh, But there have been a couple of games where Hasenhutl has used a 4-1-4-1 formation instead. In the absence of Che Adams, Southampton play with Nathan Redmond and Armando Brojo up front in their most recent Premier League match. 
although it's been reported that Adams will be available for selection this weekend. Uh, Their midfield playmaker, James Ward-Prowse, is suspended following his red card against Chelsea, and so he will miss out. Jack Stevens is their only longer-term injury concern. Uh, Looking ahead to who might be the key players for the Saints on Saturday, we turn once again to the current FPL points totals for the season to date. After eight game weeks, goalkeeper Alex McCarthy is Southampton's highest point scorer with 28, and he's closely followed by right-back Tino Livramento with 27. For comparison, Chris Wood is Burnley's highest scorer in the FPL with 22 points, uh, with just one Premier League goal to his name so far. Hmm. Doesn't make pleasant reading that, does it? Um, who's going to be the referee then at the weekend, please? Oh, well, it's going to be the second time this season that Manchester's Chris Kavanagh has taken charge of a match involving Burnley. So we've already uh, gone through some of his stats uh, earlier on. We'll just reiterate some of those. Um, he was the referee just last month when we drew 2-2 at Leicester City. Uh, Burnley have only won three of the previous 13 games he's refereed. Two of those were in the Premier League, with home wins against Everton in 2018 and Wolves in 2019. And their only other win was at Brentford back in the Championship promotion season of 2015-16. The only red card in those previous 13 games was for the dismissal of Everton captain Ashley Williams at Turf Moor in that Burnley win from March 2018. Uh, The uh, video assistant referee on Saturday will be David Coote. Statman Dave's Stat of the Week. Well, I know you're not going to leave that there, Dave, because I know you like to treat our listeners. So why don't you please delve deep into those pockets of yours and let our listeners have your miscellaneous Stat of the Week. Yeah, well, I'm recycling a stat this week as it ties in with this weekend's opponents, but it perhaps also illustrates one of the reasons why Burnley have been struggling. Uh, During our memory match segment earlier, we mentioned that Matty Vidra scored the winning goal at Southampton when the teams met in the Premier League at St Mary's back in February 2020. However, we didn't disclose that he'd come on as a replacement for an injured Chris Wood during the first half of that game. So this week's stat is that Burnley have not scored a Premier League goal via a substitute since this match, which took place prior to the pandemic. In the meantime, 20 months have passed and Sean Dyche has made 123 substitutions since then in 58 Premier League games without any of them finding the net. Although you can always hope that your starting eleven can score goals, it does help if there are goal-scoring options from the bench, which is something we've been lacking during most of 2020 and now during, well, most of 2021. Hopefully, though, history might repeat itself at the weekend, uh, so we don't need to mention this unwanted sequence again. No, let's not, let's not. Um, Well, how are you feeling about the weekend's game, Dave? Obviously, we've talked about our general concern about the way this season's going, Um. Southampton not having the greatest season themselves either. Um, but even so, an away tie to Southampton is not really the, another one of those fixtures that you feel like you've really got to try and get some points from, but also it's going to be really, really difficult to get some points from. Um, yeah, it's one where we've had some joy in the past. We've mentioned those uh, couple of wins uh, previously, the one with um, uh, Sam Bokes, uh, another substitute, by the way. He came on as a sub and uh, and scored in that game. And uh, Matthew Vidras scored there the last couple of seasons. Obviously, we didn't get a win last season, uh, but he did score in that game as well. So maybe he's got a bit of a, a good record playing down there. Um, it's one of those games, I think, where, yeah, well, no away games easy in the Premier League, whoever you're playing, but Southampton haven't had the best start. Yes, they've had a win 
already. Maybe that's taken the pressure off them a little bit. Um, the pressure certainly is on on us to get a win, um, but it's an opportunity to 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 do it. I think it's it's if we can take in the form that we had against uh, Manchester City, um, the way we played in that game. I thought there was there were some positives in that. Um, I think if we can continue that and just just maybe get a little bit of luck in front of goal, that might be what we need to uh, to get our nose in front and uh, and stay in front on Saturday. Yeah. What would you do up front? Who would you be playing? Actually, have we got any injury? What's the injury news situation looking like first, actually? Um, yeah, I think it's what we... Uh, no change, really, from, from, from previously. Dale Stevens is is still out. I think he's... It, it was mentioned he's, he's back training on the grass again, but still a little bit away from... Uh, being in and around the squad. Um, I think the other three are judgment calls. So um, Ben Mee um, obviously had a positive COVID test and he hadn't been training with the squad. So maybe that's a little bit of a setback. Um, I don't think we have too many worries in that respect. So I think Nathan Collins came in and mm-hmm. he's done really well in the couple of matches he's played in. Um, and I think Matty Vidra and Charlie Taylor were both, yeah, touch and go possibles. Uh, for being involved on um, on Saturday as well, so we don't have too many injury problems. Um, and Southampton themselves, I don't think, have, have too many uh, uh, injury issues. So both both managers really can can pick from virtually uh, full squads. So who would you play uh, if if you were going to? Would you risk Ben Me? Would you go with Collins? What would you do? Um, I'd, I'd be tempted not to risk Ben. I think maybe give him another. Uh, another week off and be ready for the the Brentford game. Um, in terms of up front, I think may, maybe it's uh, time to to have uh, Matty Vidra. Yeah, same. Starting and uh, seeing what he can do, particularly with his his record down there, scoring the last couple of seasons. If he can uh, continue that, although we we tried a slightly different, didn't we, of the formation at um, Manchester City? I think when the team was announced, it looked like a four five one. And in reality, it was Corne. When you looked at the um, the information, Corne, the time he was on the pitch, was actually the most advanced of all the Burnley players. So um, it did pan out a little bit differently mm. to what it seemed to be when the team was announced. So maybe that does give us uh, different options in terms of the way that Sean Dyche can can set up. And at, at times there were Brownhill going forward and, and supporting um, Chris Wood, and other times, um, as as we said, Corne was the uh, the most attacking player as well, so we, we do have options of, of changing things around rather than just being a a set four four two. Yeah, what's your going to be score prediction then, please, Dave? Um, I'm going to be positive and go for a narrow away win, Burnley to win two one. Uh, yeah, two one. Excellent, that's exciting. It's very. Oh, we've got some background music going on. Can you hear that? No. Ooh. I think I've got the, the ghosts in my um, in my laptop, listeners. I think I've got some EBGBs going on. Uh, I think it's because Dave predicted a, a Burnley win. As soon as you started saying there was going to be a Burnley win, some like kind of spooky, eerie music started playing. Well, your cat's figured out to work a <laughs> Yeah, that's true for one of those. Um, I'm also feeling confident of a Burnley win. I'm going to say it's going to be a com- more convincing Burnley win. I'm going to say 2 now. So, listeners, you know the drill by now. Let us know what your thoughts are. Um, is it going to be a win, a draw, a loss? Who's going to score? How are they going to score? give us your goal predictions etc etc you can tweet us at none and ever or you can send us an email at previewshow at noneandever.net fantasy premier league update 
Okay, second half of the show, Dave. It is the known and ever fantasy Premier League. Game week eight is now complete, and you should be able to give us a full rundown of what happened and what's going on at the top of the known and level league table now that, that those fixtures are done. Dave, take it away. Yeah, we've had eight game weeks, and as always, there's a lot of competition for places towards the top, and for a change, we're going to have a countdown of the top ten, although there are 11 names, as there are two managers tied in tenth place. Ah. I'll give you a rundown of those. We've got uh, Alex Jolly and Luke Lambert are tied in tenth. We've got former champion uh, from two seasons ago, Bennett Howarth in ninth place, on his way up, a climber to ninth. Uh, another climber up to eight is Brody Robinson. We've got Adam Dennett, another climber, uh, up to seventh. He was uh, last season's runner-up. Uh, David Pounder is a non-mover at six. Jaden Fitton is a non-mover at five. We've got Jack Toner down to four. Joe Elliott at three. Andrew Smith is a climber up to two. And a non-mover at the top is still our leader, is uh, Deck Clark. Excellent stuff. Um, so where does that put the Manager of the Month competition? Uh, interesting one, this. Yeah, leading the way for October's Manager of the Month so far is Paul Terreri, although our very own George Poole is just four points behind him in second place. And that's all the more remarkable, considering George hasn't made any transfers yet and uh, several of his players didn't even play last weekend. Gosh, that is... Uh... That is an impressive start. Now, why is it when I don't think it, George has not touched his fantasy football squad since not made he just, one not made a change. single change? When I do nope. that, I, I don't I go anywhere near manager of the month competition. It's not fair that one. I smell a conspiracy. I can smell a conspiracy. Um, right, where are we up to? Where are we up to? Where are we up to? But what about none and ever? How are we doing? Uh, well, you're still last in our podcast as mini league, but you've climbed two places the 204th in the main league on 398 points. Remember, that's out of 325 teams in total. So that's not uh, that's certainly improvement. Oh, very uh, Yeah. Uh, but you still trail me by 61 points. I'm up to 104th position. And we've already mentioned Adam Dennett in our overall top 10, and he's still leaving the rest of us way behind. Uh, but at this point, I did want to mention something uh, regarding a bit of a clarification uh, regarding relegation. One of our uh, listeners was in, in touch uh, this week, uh, slightly worried that he might uh, be in relegation danger. Um, there may have been some banter in the past about relegation and how that, that mm. pans out, but to, to clarify... To clarify on that, we didn't relegate anyone last season. We've welcomed a lot of players in, so uh, there is certainly no relegation in the No Name Never Fancy League. We operate on a 100% franchise basis, and everyone's more than welcome to enter again next season. Excellent. Well said, Dave. Well said indeed. Um, what about the latest team of the week, then? Which players should we have all had in our teams to maximise those points last week? Right, yeah, the 11 players, uh, which would have earned you 136 points, that's excluding any double captain points or bonuses, uh, were actually in a 3-5-2 formation. We had a goalkeeper again, a second week running, uh, Tim Krull of Norwich, another clean sheet, although he's slightly fortunate. There was an incident, wasn't there, where he uh, looked like he'd brought a player down for a a penalty. VAR looked at it, didn't give it, but it did look like a... A blatant penalty, but there you go. Two weeks running, he's uh, riding his luck. Um, our three defenders were Ogbonna, Chilwell and Dunk. Our five midfielders were McGinn, 
Mo Salah again, uh, Bernardo Silva of Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne of Manchester City, and uh, Yuri Tillemans of Leicester. And the two up front were the highest score overall for the week, uh, Roberto Firmino with 20, and Harry Kane, who had a better week, and he was the other striker in that 3-5-2 formation. Interestingly, that was the theoretical best team, but remarkably one FPL manager scored 122 points. He triple-captained Roberto Firmino, who was the highest-scoring player with 20, as we mentioned, to register the highest score out of the entire group of over 8 million FPL managers. Good. And no, he wasn't in our league. No, I didn't think he would be. Uh, Well, we're going to have another FPL update when we're in our next preview show, where we're going to be looking ahead to the home game against Brentford. So managers, in the meantime, keep it up. Um, Let us know how you're doing. And somebody send me some hints and tips. Not you, Adam Dennett. Um, (laughs) I keep saying that. I do keep teasing our team on and everything. No, quit on me. It's terrible. Um, But yeah, I think I put an SOS out last preview show to ask for people to send me some tips so get in touch let me know what your strategy was this week and what those magic beans that you used and who you subbed in and out and stuff I'm going to finish recording this preview show and I'm going to have a look at mine after that and see what I can do but yeah want some tips so send them my way it's a bit late for that you've missed the deadline already have I yeah oh oh yeah is it oh. <laughs> when am I supposed to do my team for then I thought it was like 11 o'clock on Saturday or something stupid Unless there's a Friday evening kickoff, which there is. Oh man! All right. Well, it's too it's too late for me this week, listeners. But do still send me your hints and tips anyway, because I want to know what strategy you adopted, and I'll have a look at it next week. Statman Dave's quiz question. Let's finish off then on a nice positive note with um, this week's quiz question, Dave. What have you settled on in terms of um, setting homework for our listeners this week, please? Uh, Well, I know I said we were going to try and have two parts. That's easy and hard quiz questions this season. But after totally ignoring that last week for our Barry Kilby question, I'm going to lead with a single question again this week. And it relates to the use of substitutes, which was a subject of the latest stat of the week. Uh, Anyway, this week's question is, only one Burnley player has made over 100 appearances from the bench during his time at the club. But can you name that player? Super sub has made over 100 appearances from the bench during his time at the club. There's a couple of obvious ones there that you would think, but um, I shall submit my. I will submit my answer once we finish recording. So, Dave, how do our listeners get in touch to submit their answers, please? Uh, yeah, you can tweet us or send us a direct message on Twitter. That's at no near never. You can email us preview show at no near never dot net. Or you can reply to the post for this preview show on either the No Name Ever Facebook page or on YouTube. Excellent. And we will give you the correct answer at the start of our next preview show, which will be, of course, our home game against Brentford next week. Um, any other business then, Dave, before we let our lovely listeners go? Have we got any community news, fixture changes, etc., etc., that we want to tell them about? Yeah, just a couple of things to mention this week. Uh, Following on from the success of his charity calendar from last Christmas, uh, photographer Clive Lawrence is producing a 2022 calendar, which will feature images from Burnley's 1991-92 fourth division title winning season, as it'll be the 30th anniversary next May. So if you were one of the thousands who went to that memorable match at York, or even if you didn't and want to enjoy the memories of that season, then this calendar's for you. You can get in touch with Clive, that's uh, Clive Lawrence one on Twitter for more details. 
Um, I know that there are plans to have other events to promote the calendar, and maybe, just maybe, we might be able to speak with Clive and some of the players of 1992 on a future episode of the No Near Never podcast. Um, We also mentioned a couple of weeks ago that there was due to be a biography published about former Burnley and England defender Keith Newton, who also played for Blackburn Rovers and Everton. Uh, That book is now out, and you can get details from the author, Rob Sawyer, who is RobSawyer70 on Twitter. That's R-O-B-S-A-W-Y-E-R-7-0 on Twitter. So that'll be... uh, Uh, A good one for those uh, Clarets bookworms out there. Yeah, definitely will. And, of course, the festive season is nearly upon us, so a good stocking filler or Christmas present for your loved ones. Get get them ordered. Um, Well, I think that's everything we've got time for this week. My thanks, as ever, go to everyone who has contributed to getting this podcast out. Um, To Turf Moor Stadium announcer Dominic Walker for his specially recorded preview show announcements. To producer Matt, who has been very patient with us this week and has tried to coordinate all of his I feel like we're an extension of, of young Matt's children. Like Matt's a, a very, very good father. I think he actually has to like lead us all into the fold as well. So thank you, Matt. Um, of course, to Dave Roberts for researching the previous show episodes because he is the engine room of the previous show. Without him, this episode definitely wouldn't exist because... I don't know these stats and I wouldn't be able to pull them together. So thank you, Dave. Um, Finally, of course, to you, the listener, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. Um, Hopefully the team will be back next week with an analysis show celebrating the first three points of the season. That would be marvellous. But take care in the meantime and drop us a line with anything that you want us to cover on any one of those shows. that's everything we've got time for. And we will see you, Dave and I will see you next Friday as normal for that Brentford show preview. Um, I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans.